Welcome to Salem the Podcast. We are your hosts and favorite Salem tour guides. My name is Jeffrey Lilly. And I am Sarah Black. Today, we are going to be bringing to you, talking about, bringing to you, I feel like that's like a stage performance. Just uh, a little bit, right? I, I was trying to go there. Are and you it, already starting to go, right? go was, in with the it, puns, the it, jokes? It, 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 I thought I had something and it just didn't. Uh, it disappeared. <laughs> okay. Yep. Oh my right. God, Stop. <laughs> It's like you pulled it out of a hat. Oh, okay. That, that Where's good. the bunny? I I don't think he, no no bunnies. No, that wasn't uh, that wasn't the shtick of Mister Harry Houdini, who's by the way the topic of conversation today. So this episode is coming to you just after October wraps up, but we are recording at the end of September. I ran into one of our listener friends, Carlin, oh, on, yeah, yeah. on Essex Street the other day, and. We stopped and chatted for a bit, and she asked, are you guys going to be recording during October? Because I feel like that just isn't going to work. I was like, no, no, no. She's like, you guys would die. And I was like, yes, Yes, we would. (laughs) It's just impossible. We're both, I mean, Jeffrey's doing five tours a day. I'm doing three tours a day, and we are just going to be, you know, busy to the max. So we're going to try to record all of these episodes or as many as we can prior to, and uh, we we've already got one done. We're gonna get this one done, uh, and then we actually have a couple ones that are a little easier. Uh, or we will have had you will have listened to right right. You gotta be careful. <laughs> of oh that. my goodness. Okay, see, it's already starting. Um, but yeah, so like the the on the street episodes and asking questions. Uh, you know, no research, uh, no sitting down, not a lot of edits. Uh, it's it's much easier to, to compile those. So that's sort of what we want to do. And also, hopefully you enjoyed bringing or us bring sort of that vibe to you guys over the over the month. Mm-hmm. And all, of course, all of our recaps from yes. from the craziness. Yes. <laughs> It'll be like tour time. Ever. Oh, my God, this week, this past week, the traffic, the, the traffic, the, the traffic. <laughs> but anyway, back to the magic. Back to the magic, <laughs> Mr. Harry Houdini. Although that was not his name to start. No, he was he was not born Harry Houdini. Uh, he was born Eric Weiss in uh, 1874. On March 24th in the Kingdom of Hungary. So he is a Hungarian-American, and uh, they, they move here when, when he's younger, and they, uh, you know, sort of their standard immigrant story. During this time, I would say yeah, so. Yeah, late 1800s. They immigrated to the U.S. in 1878. Uh, he was one of seven children, although not all of them came over at once, and they first settled over in Appleton, Wisconsin. So when I saw that, right, I was like, what? <laughs> it, was, it was a big area. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, they, like, when you talk immigrants, you're like, oh, and they settled in New York, Boston, Philly, right? You think... Oh, would you? Oh, Wisconsin. Well, they would usually, of course, come in through New York, but then they would migrate. So I've got this wild story, and I promise it will only take like 30 seconds. I I believe it is coming from my my dad's current wife, so my stepmother. Her family, just like ours as well, were German. Um, Her family came over late 1800s, early 1900s, and it was two brothers, and Mm -hmm. they walked from New York to the Midwest. They walked. They camped out in trees on the way. I, How crazy is that? So 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 n- that's that's the family legend at least. But yeah. 
which is it's common. Like think about all but, these people but, that are but, coming but, in. But train jumping was like a thing. Oh, I'm probably there was there was probably a little bit okay, of that too. Okay. But the cl- the claim was yeah, yeah. that they walked. Okay. They made the trek. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. But where I come from, Michigan, and just the Midwest in general, you get a lot of immigration from from Eastern Europe, that area, okay. uh, a lot of German, and actually uh, Harry Houdini's family, who was Jewish, they changed their name to the German spelling upon arrival. Mm-hmm. And he actually himself changed his first name to Enric. But they don't stay in Wisconsin. Uh, they end up moving over to New York City. Okay, there we go. Now we got it. 17, he starts his, his magic career. 17 years of age. Although that was not his pub- first public performance, he did make his stage debut as Enric the Prince of Air at the age of nine as a trapeze artist. Like you do. Right? I mean... You know, obviously. What, what else are we going to do? So it's, it's at this point that, that he takes on the name Harry Houdini, uh, which is obviously what we know him as, what, what he has gone by, what he went by his, his whole career. It wasn't, as far as I'm aware, it wasn't just a stage name, right? Like obviously some people do have, you know, but that's what his friends called him. This was his family called him. Uh, that became his identity. Yeah. Um, and I've always enjoyed the, uh, where he gets the name from. It is uh, after another magician. So mm-hmm. he's a magician who self-named himself after another magician uh, called, and I, I'm, I'm going to screw this up like it's my job, so my French accent's appalling, uh, Jean-Eugène Robert Houdin. That's probably not the worst. It sounded better. Yeah. So yeah, you did. Well, you do- well yeah. done. Thank well you. done. Thank you. Um, and it, they're they're hyphenated. And I guess I'm not sure. I was looking. It was like I thought it was it's French. Yeah. 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 Jean Eugene Robert Houdin. So he takes that Houdin and adds the I at the end. So he reads the autobiography and then he he names himself that. Um, and and an interesting thing which we might revisit later, but I'll I'll say it now is later in his life he also uh, attempts to. I'm not actually sure how successful he was. Uh, debunk and decredit uh, Jean Houdin's career. The magician that he based his name off magician of. Magician he stole his name from. He then goes back and attempts to discredit his career. That's a, wow. <laughs> and and we'll talk about this more a little. That was like, became one of the things he did was try and sort of uncover lies and, and fraud within. He, he preferred, or much preferred, and that's why he always did this uh, handcuff and escape artist thing. Um, he wasn't ever attempting to be to disenfranchise or he, to like to trick. I guess would be a, a. I mean, it is in itself a trick, but he's doing it like a physical trick, right? Yeah, he's not lying about anything, right? Like, um. So, and part of this comes in, in, in his later career during the spiritualism uh, push and age where there's all sorts of, you know, talk, communing with the spirits and the ectoplasm and the sounds heard and the responses, all of which were illusions and, and, and trickery of some sort, right? So he's trying to, you know, debunk all of that while he's maintaining that what he's doing is... Legitimate. Is legitimate. He's just picking a lock. You just, no one, no one can figure out how he does it, but he's not claiming 
that a specter is coming to help him pick the lock, right? Right, right. He's doing it himself. And if anything, this aspect of seances and spiritualism is slightly disturbing the exploitation of grief so people that are you know they've lost someone and of course we see a big peak of this uh post-civil war so many people have lost folks they're going to these these seances and these performances where they think that they're going to be able to contact their loved one and there is someone there who is charging them money and is trying to convince them that yes they are in communication and just imagine the false hope and I do believe in ghosts like I genuinely do I know you're not a big fan of it but and I don't know if we can talk to the other side I don't know but to make money off of that off of off of saying you are and right so so that's what Houdini does later in his life is he's he's got the same he's like no screw you I'm not gonna let you guys do this and so when he goes back later in life uh, and re-examines Jean Houdin's career, he does throw a significant amount of shade at it. But I find it just funny in and as much as, like, you stole the man's name, and now you're saying that that man had a shady career and stole a lot of his acts. That was one of his claims. He's like, he wasn't original. He wasn't as great as he claimed. He stole a lot of his work. You're like, but you stole his name. So, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Okay, have at it. Do you know if he was, if the gentleman was still alive while Houdini was calling out his BS? He was not. He was, okay, so it's it's after his death. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, at least he gave him that courtesy. 50 years after his death? Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah. All right. He actually, <clears throat> excuse me, he dies, he dies before Houdini's born. Okay. Just by a few years, but you know. All right. And of course, you know, you've got that jump in time, magic and like the study of magic and all those things has definitely progressed. And I think it's safe to say that Houdini took it to the next level. So of course he's out there criticizing everyone that came before him. So known for his escape tricks. The handcuff king. I love that nickname. That's great. (laughs) Ooh, someone should open a sex shop and name it that. I was going to make an inappropriate joke, and I was like, you know what? I do that enough. You always get upset with me. I'm just going to keep it. I'm going to keep it clean. I'm not going to say anything. And And then I did it. You went for it. Sometimes you just got to. Yeah. That's what she said. (laughs) Were you going to say that? Yes. Yes. I'm on it today. (laughs) that's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> See, now you can keep... <laughs> Okay. Okay, we're good. So, uh, he c- continues. So, he, he gets this reputation um, as, you know, obviously successful because he is. He can do what he, he does. He's also, by the way, a very um, physically fit gentleman. Right. Like, this is a physical skill that yeah. he is is building up over these decades of his performances. So that's also sort of one of the other things that he does is he dedicates a significant amount of his time to being physically fit and physically active. Um, he's strong. He's healthy. He's, I mean, if you've seen, have you seen pictures of him? Like, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I was looking, I was like, man, Houdini is not bad looking. Right. 
I read also somewhere that he was like able to pop his joints out. Yes, I've seen that as well. Which makes sense, of course, with all the... I wonder how... I was trying to figure out how he would have slipped his hands out of the handcuffs so many... Because that's what he was so well known for. But they were actual handcuffs. Like oftentimes, if you look at the old pictures, the videos, it's actual police officers that are handcuffing him. Mm -hmm. They're usually using their own handcuffs. So how on earth is he able to prepare for something like that? You just got to hope that your, your hands can do it. It's just crazy. Well, that's also one of the things that, so getting back to that, and I'll probably bring up the spiritualism thing a few times. He'd be like, yes, take your handcuffs and lock me up. Right. When it's the spiritualism thing, it's like, oh, is this control? We go into their space and right. The, the, right. So it's dark and we have to have the lights off so we can commune with the spirits and everything else can go wrong. But he's almost always very forthcoming with, you know, we're going to stand here. I'm going to roll my, you're going to do And this. often would do it in their space. Like yes. he performed these tricks all over in public spaces, yeah. public buildings, um, and even outdoors. Police stations. Police stations. Spoilers. For like a minute from now. <laughs> <laughs> so he he continues with his career and uh, he, he performs all over the country, uh, all over the place. Uh, very successful. Uh, but one of the things that made him very successful was like A, his skill. Um, but he did a lot of exhibition shows. So he'd put on a public performance. So then that would drum up business for his private performance. Which people would then have to pay money for. Yeah. And so when you hear about these public performances, oh, he's performing this great feat of escape. He's tied up. He's thrown in the river. He's jumped off the bridge. He's in in a straitjacket and chains hanging upside down. And you get to go see that. And then you're like... But wait, there's more. You're like, what? Show me. Yeah. And so that's like one of his shticks was was doing that. And that's what he did in Salem, is it not? That is pretty much exactly what he did in Salem. So he'd been staying in Boston. I uh, did some shows in Boston. And then he comes up here to do a few shows oh, at the Essex Street Theater. Which no longer stands. Rest in peace. If only we still had that one. God. I believe, and I, I, I'm not actually certain, so if you're on Essex Street, so you walk by it every day, it is either the parking lot as you're looking at Jerry's, uh-huh. the parking or lot, the... just on the end, Okay. or a half a block down, that empty parking lot there. Yeah, I think I've heard a connection to, like, that's where the Y is, right? Across the street, yeah. Yeah. So this is, uh, I, I used to do a, a, a sort of more history-based tour, which I don't do anymore. Um, but we so often talk about all the buildings that are taken down or have been lost uh, from the trials, right? We're like, well, none, really none of the buildings still stand. Like, right. you know, the witch house, which is the uh, judge's house. But it was like, why, why were all the buildings? Sound? I was like, it's not just the Salem witch trials. You have this gorgeous, gorgeous theater right on the heart of Essex Street torn down. The train station, torn down. The old courthouse, torn down. Right. So it's not like just old 1600 buildings. This is still something we do today. Um, So yeah, unfortunately, that theater is no longer here. The Willows Pavilion, torn down. (sighs) Rest in peace. We should have like a, we could do like 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 an Instagram reel. 
like all the old gorgeous buildings. Just, you know, like when those. Do you know how much time that would take? With, in December time. Okay. <laughs> you will help me put it together and then you will see how long it takes. This is like all the buildings that we're talking about. Like I'd love if you see them all, mm-hmm. you know. It would be a lot of walking. Yeah. No, no. I mean, if we could just look at pig. Never mind. I'll cut this out. If they're in a reel together, you can just watch one after yeah, the other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then you have to go to all those places and capture in person. Oh, you just want picture after picture. Yeah. Oh, so I just got to scour the internet, not the streets. <laughs> right. Okay, never mind. Okay. That won't take as long. Okay. I was like, am I missing something? I was going to roll with it. I don't know what's going on. We are not connected there. Okay. At all. <laughs> yes, we can do that. Armory train station. Oh, the armory. Right. See? The train station. See? <laughs> but what still stands, though, is the building in which Harry Houdini did his little escape from. So if- we we are lucky to have that. 15 Front Street, uh, which I would I would say all of, if you have come to Salem, you have walked past it. But probably have not noticed it because it just is kind of... It's just there. there. It's just a brick building, uh, just like everything else in Salem. Uh, it is a law office uh, today. It stands at the end. If you've parked at the Front Street lot next to Front Street uh, uh, on the other side of Clop Alley... Kind of like Kinney Corner from Reds. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that whole brick building there is is that building. But in 1906, when Harry Houdini was in Salem, it was the police station. And when he had come to Salem to do his shows, he was challenged by one of the police officers, the police chief, I believe. Yeah. So it, it's... And, like, I get it, right? I... I, I, and I've heard, you know what, we're going to save till the end, like the thing. Have you heard things? I have not. We can save that to the end. Okay. I've, I've only, because I don't pay too, too much attention to this story. Okay. Uh, I don't even know if I talked about it on the ghost tours I used to give. Okay. So I'm, until this point, I was very unfamiliar with it. But I've heard people complain about the misconceptions and just the misinformation that gets floated around. So we can, let's save that for the end. The yeah, room, the room. Oh yeah. I, I have heard some. Outrageous things. Outrageous claims. Oh, I'm so ready. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, I, I get it as the chief, uh, you know, you've got, you've got a great escape artist and you want to be like, oh, he's can't escape from my jail. Uh huh. Yeah. It's dudes in the early 20th century. Come dudes on. Always. And, yeah. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you for always. that one. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, and, uh, so it, it it's like, is this issue not, you know, I, it's going to be his, so this is going to be his public performance right. to kind of reel in people to the main shows. Yes. And he had been slated to do several shows in Salem for those following nights. So let's kick this off. So they bring Harry Houdini in the back of the police station and, and it's at this point, uh, that, they lock him in one of the cells because that's obviously how it's going to go. But before they do, they strip him. Yes. He is chained and shackled. Now, there is a uh, fantastic picture of him uh, from the Salem News. The one where he's behind the bars? Yes. In his underwear? Yes. I love that. Yes. One of my most favorite things ever. Is that picture? And, and the quote that was written underneath it. Oh. 
Give me the quote. I don't think I saw the quote. As he looked when locked into a cell at the Salem police station yesterday. I'm, I'm going to pause here. So hold on. So again, he is chained, shackled, behind bars, in nothing but his underwear. Uh-huh. In nothing but his underwear. Yeah. Only that he was even more scantily clad than he appears in the picture. Scantily clad. So he is more naked than in just his... Un- there, there you go. Oh, no. There you go. What? <laughs> so what are, they, what are they saying? They made him go back in and... They're saying he made him take his underwear off, which I don't know if I... I'm not saying I don't believe. I don't know. I don't know. There the, we go. the decency, like, you know, the morals back then. No, 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 no. No, no, no. So especially when it came to stuff like this, like we've talked about the ectoplasm before. Yeah, but they they would they would cavity search, they would they would be naked. They be so the idea is that he couldn't hide lockpicks and things on him. So if he doesn't have any pockets right. you know obviously they stage magicians roll oh we roll up their sleeves nothing up my sleeve no bunnies rabbits etc here they take all his clothes so he doesn't even have access to that even right. if he did have something and so he's standing here and it's just his underwear this is where the freaking rumors come from that we're going to talk about yeah yes like things in places yes okay <laughs> so and sometimes his performances would be done naked um I did not know that. So this is not an unusual, th- as unusual as it seems, it is not that unusual of a thing. My only question here, other than is how naked was Harry Houdini, was he's already chained and shackled. Like, if you look at the picture, he has he has leg irons on. Well, that's what makes me wonder if that quote was just added in for comic. Like, it's it's supposed to be funny. It's it's cheeky, right? No I mean, pun, no pun intended. <laughs> it would be if he took those shorts off. <laughs> We're but funny it, today. But if he's already got uh, leg irons on, what happens when you drop your underwear? Then then you've got you, you right. You you can't like so that means do that the, do the that that thing. was that photos either staged or they did not completely strip him. <sighs> we'll never know. We'll have to ask him. We could we could hold us you know that's what we should do on October thirty first hold a seance. Uh what spoilers <laughs> for like twenty minutes from now, <laughs> ten minutes from now. Okay, I love it. So uh, they lock Harry Houdini up up in the cell. And then they put his clothes in an adjacent cell. Um, they're not going to be totally indecent about the thing. They, they want to provide the man access to his clothes. And uh, then in another cell. So they leave him there, chained yep. up. He's locked in a cell. He's got three sets of handcuffs on his wrists, two shackles on his ankles, and no clothes. How long does it take him to get out? 13 minutes. 13 minutes. They walked away from that cell at 9.12, and by 9.25, he was already outside the building. So they were, I'm not sure exactly how the building was framed or structured at, at, at that point, but there's a front door and front windows, and there's a back door as well. Um, so like, I don't know what the interior office structure would have looked like is what right. I'm saying, right? But they locked all the cells in there, and they locked the room in there now sort of waiting in the interior... In, uh, waiting in the interior in the front of the building. And they get a knock on the outside front window. It's Harry. It's Harry Houdini. Uh, he is fully clothed. So he's not walking the streets of naked, 
naked, <laughs> wandering the streets of Salem, you know, cheeky and everything. Uh, he is fully clothed, and he has a friend with him. Yeah, he had also released a prisoner who was locked up in the jail, and he was handcuffed to him. So in less than 13 minutes, he managed to release himself from all the chains and shackles, manages to get out of the cell he's in, into the next cell. Get his clothes. Get dressed, which I'm sure couldn't have taken, I mean, you know, today we're jeans and t-shirt and we're good to go. You know, I'm sure it took him very small amount of time but still it's the trousers it's the buttons it's the oh, shirt yeah. it's the buttons yeah 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 it's probably a jacket with the buttons it's a little more complicated you're right in the early you're 1900s. right 1900s no zippers right um and then he gets in the next cell gets the other guy who was you know a little intoxicated <laughs> uh, fairly regularly he's in the drunk tank yeah pretty much and he, but he gets another set of handcuffs that he must have got from when he was they were on him gets that guy and walks down the alleyway such a great story. It's fun. And I'm sure the police officers, the chief, they were just beside I, themselves. I, I think I read somewhere, and I couldn't remember where I'd seen this. I tried to find again. Uh, so it might have just been in passing somewhere. That everyone seemed pretty happy except the chief. Oh, sour. It was totally <laughs> one of those things like, what are, what's the expression? What are, what are guys like when they're trying to puff out their chest? Peacocking? Let's not just okay. Okay, we. It was probably his pride was hurt. Yeah, his pride was hurt. And you know the, the city budget, right? Like that. Yeah. <laughs> and they, if anything, it kind of makes them look, you know, a little incompetent. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if someone can get out of those shackles, those jail cells, that building with another prisoner in thirteen minutes. You got to reevaluate all your company policies. <laughs> you you got to like get another man on watch. You got to set up an office in the jail cell. Like that's a, everything changes after that. No more magicians allowed. <laughs> right? No magic. Now we like magicians. I like magicians. Yeah, we like magicians. Yeah, they're they're good people. So the the handcuff king escapes, and I love, I love that it's thirteen minutes because it just. It just right. adds to it, right? It, it's like getting back to Captain White. He stabbed 13 times under the full moon. Uh-huh. You're like, which has no bearing on anything. It's other. just a number. It's like, just, right? We recognize that, but. but. You can be like, and Harry Houdini escaped in 13 minutes. And I was like, That's a great story. It's so fun. And I think it just adds to Salem's overall history. Yeah. I mean, this place, we've talked a lot about how it was this hub of, you know, just folks coming in and out for centuries as it's a port city, as, you know, even after that, even after the ports fail, you still have folks coming in and out in this area, immigrants. Um, The whole place is bustling. So the idea that Harry Houdini swung through this area after Boston is just great. It just, it's... It's one of the gem stories of Salem. Yeah, like I get, and I guess we don't. I don't actually. Like, what's your your a hidden gem, right? And you're like, uh-huh. I think that might qualify. A lot of people don't know about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And you I, don't really, you don't see anything about it either. Yeah. With the exception, I was gonna say, <laughs> you uh, you did make something happen. Was that this year or last, last year? year? Last, last year. year. Yep. So last year, Jeff noticed that. The alleyway next to where the police station used to be, 15 Front Street, the alleyway that he would have came down with the prisoner in tow after he escaped, it didn't have a name. 
That is correct. It was an unnamed right of way. Which is so bizarre because like this town is freaking old. Like you would think that they would have named it something by this point. You'd think. So what did you do? <laughs> so uh, so this gets back to I'm looking to, to start my tours. Like where is my location going to be? Uh-huh. And there's a lot of place in the city and I didn't want somewhere. And I was like, where's my tour route going to be? I was like, this is a pretty central location. And it's just a, a throughway, which doesn't often get used. And in October, it doesn't get used at all. They put a barrier up and no one can drive up and down it. And I was like, then that's like a little private road for me. Uh-huh. Right. And I was like, that's great. And I'm like trying to get an address for this. And I was like, what's this road called? Where is it? What can they meet at front? The al- I used to call it the alley next to 15 Front Street. And then I was like, the, the Houdini thing, I was talking with some friends. Like, you can just name it, right? You can just rename it. And we didn't really know. I didn't really know what that, that process was. And it turns out that technically I cannot name it. <clears throat> the city would have to, right? Right. So if it is an unnamed right of way, it has to be a city proposal. If you are renaming a street, you can bring a petition. So if it had been called like something else, right? If it was called like, I don't know, right? Front way next yeah. to front street. And I was like, well, can we rename it because of this historic location? Then technically I would have named it that uh-huh. as I would have had to bring the petition. But because there was no previous name, it just had to be an order by the city council. But So you didn't you end up, you had to track down that wards city councilor? Yep. yep. Approached her yep. and uh, she... Helped it. push it through. Yep, brought it to the city council, and they were like, "Why?" And then she read the the email that I sent her, sort of de- you know a two minute synopsis of what we've been talking about, and they're all like, "Oh, that's great, approved." Ching, gavel nice. down. Did you cry? I I didn't. No, I was I was I was pretty excited though. So cool. Yeah. So cool. And and so now it is called Houdini Way. So after 115 years of Harry Houdini performing there, we get a little alleyway named after the guy. I love it. Well done, Jeffrey. Thank you. I was very excited for you when I heard that that happened. I was. It was pretty neat. Yeah. Little, little, little feather in my. In your cap. Yes. Yes. Uh huh. So, like I said, that was 115 years ago. Uh, he did stick around Salem. Obviously, he did his shows. Uh, I think he did another exhibition show or two. Um, I guess he also uh, ducked in the Pem for a minute. Um, as the handcuff king, I guess they had some some handcuffs that were supposed to be from sailors or ships. And the Peabody Essex Museum now, which back in his day would have been the Peabody Academy of Science, which I don't think I I knew until I was looking looking this up. It's gone through many many right? changes, many these, name changes. Yeah, he's yeah. In, uh, the uh, Essex Institute and all these yep. other things as different entities join yeah. together. I'd love to. Do they have a history of that? I'm sure they do. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. sure they do. But like somewhere where you could you could like look at the chronological. I think there is a timeline that okay. exists, and it might even be on. I think they have a history timeline on their website. Shows you how much I actually go and look. <laughs> <laughs> I probably could have just answered my question. Okay, that's why I'm here. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. So yeah, Harry does his his thing in Salem, and then he leaves, uh, and we get to we get to talk about it 115 years later. But that's not where the story ends. Well, his Salem story probably ends there, but his life continues. I, I don't know. You could 
You could say his Salem story is still going with Houdini Way okay. getting put in okay. place okay. 115 years later okay. and with what we're going to talk about that happened in the 1990s, the early 1990s. Oh, but, my goodness. How yeah. did I? I don't know. Wow. But before we go there, okay, let's tackle his death because okay. it is um, an interesting story and because it is supposed to be, you know, we're coming off a spooky season. Sure. So let's, uh, let's not leave it just yet. Okay. So I guess coming off a spooky season and why we are doing this episode when we're doing it is because of when he dies. This is something straight out of a movie, a book. I don't know. It almost doesn't seem real. Just like <laughs> the 13 minutes that it took for him to get out of the jail yeah. and the shackles and the, the cells. He dies on the afternoon of October 31st. 1926. Halloween, 1926. How crazy is that um you got one in a 365 chance i i think it is incredibly crazy and and, and i don't so obviously the, the amount of days you have to die are, are fine right like there's only you can only pick from 365 or 66 depending um <clears throat> isn't a leap year don't you lose a day no dude you lose a day no oh no. wait yeah there you go 29th of February. There you got it. 366? Yeah. I'm cutting this out. <laughs> See, this is what someone was talking about. I can't remember who. They're like, I feel like Sarah, you always talk about cutting stuff out, and she just cuts out the stuff that makes her look bad and leaves it everything else. I cut out a lot of your bad <laughs> shit, too. Don't you worry. Um, Don't you worry. Um, I, We'll see if I leave this on. So following... Uh, I mean, so the performance here is is, is fine. He goes on uh, to, to do a significant amount of other performances uh, all across the, the country. Uh, he's this world-famous magician, uh, escape artist. And then he sort of turns a little bit, uh, casts his gaze towards the spiritualism movement. And, uh, and I mentioned this a little earlier. And he makes it his, not necessarily life's work, but... He takes a very active role in trying to, I don't even, well, what's the word I'm looking for? I was going to say police, but I don't know if that's the, no. um, critique, criticize. And, and, and defame, defraud. Debunk. Debunk. That's the word I think I'm looking for. Uh, all sorts of psychics and mediums who claim to be like you talked earlier with that, utilizing the grief and these sorts of things. And he... There's a whole committee. He like writes books on it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's like whole committees who do this, and they they set up these seances in like a scientific, very scientific manner. These controlled environments where everyone is searched, the women are searched, the people are there, everyone's watching, everything's timed. It's in a neutral location. All the parties have agreed to these things. It is a very, and he makes it his life's work to to do this. Um, <clears throat> there's there's one woman. Uh, Marjorie, I believe. And if I screw that up, there's people who's going to be upset with me. So we'll see. Um, he, uh, he's very close to, to showing that, that she is a fraud and, and she comes to him and she's like, please don't do this. You'll ruin me. I don't want my kids to know. And his response is then don't be a fraud. Oh, ouch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just looking for honesty. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't play people for their money. Yeah. Uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, who was a huge, staunch spiritualist, 
believed he could talk to his son in the Summerlands, as they called it, fairly regularly. Uh, him and Houdini have a huge falling out, uh, somewhat publicly about it. Uh, but Houdini's like, stop with the BS. Uh, and and he pushes that narrative. So I think as someone who is very anti-spiritualist, to then die. On the 31st, on, on Halloween. Uh-huh. And then everything that comes after, which we'll talk about in a second here. Wow. So yeah. I, I think when you said the odds, I think given who he is and what he was doing makes it more than one in 365 <laughs> or 366. I mean, if you're a conspiracy theorist. Who's making that conspiracy happen? Well, I think some, coincidental. It's a coincidence. I, I, I it is a very stark th- there is, there coincidence. There is some suspicion that someone may have had a hand in his death. Oh, someone definitely had a hand. <laughs> someone had a someone had a fist, a fist. in his death. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I I did read that that like it was possibly an attempt on his life. I I don't know if I buy into that only because there's just a million other ways to kill someone, and out of all the ways, you're gonna go and punch him a couple times in the stomach. Like that just doesn't, you know, it doesn't match up for me. Mm-hmm. So this starts off in Montreal at the Princess Theater, and there was a fan that had come backstage. His name was Jay Gordon Whitehead, and he's described as a student. So I'm pretty sure, you know, probably in college, a young kid, he questions Houdini about this myth that, you know, it's it's part of Houdini's mythos. Like, he's got such a strong physique, especially his abdominal muscles, that he can pretty much take any type of attack or say someone wants to punch him in the stomach, he can withstand it. This student punches him a couple times in the stomach. Now, it's said that Houdini didn't really have any time to react. He was sitting down at the time. Uh, he gave him permission. He's like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, the yeah, that's, that's part of my act. That's who I am. And without any warning, this kid just starts punching him in the abdomen. Houdini almost immediately finds himself in pain, and it's like sustained pain. Mm-hmm. However, he continues with the performance, and he finishes the night. He refuses a doctor. He can't sleep. He suffers for about two days up in that area, and then hops on a train. And then when he does eventually find a doctor, he's told that he has appendicitis, and he needs surgery. So for those who don't know, you have a little thing called an appendix. I've I've read that it was left over from like caveman times. Like it's just one of those organs that really doesn't have that much of a purpose. Right, right. So a lot of times if you do get an infection, they'll just take it out. It's easy. It doesn't affect you. It's fine. But he refuses the surgery. And at this point, he's running a temp of 102. He hops on a train to Detroit, Michigan. Which in Michigan, man. Shout out to my Michiganders, man. <laughs> I that there are so many coincidences that are tied to like my life in this <gasps> end story. I don't relative. who know oh, see you say that. I was thinking like Houdini reincarnated. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he makes it to Detroit. He is still in pain. He is set to perform at the Garrick Theater. Uh, unfortunately, it, like the Essex Theater, no longer stands. And in fact, it was demolished two years after his death. 
His final performance is on October 24th. That is my birthday. Well, happy birth, whatever. Oh, yeah. Actually, as this drops, yeah, you, it would you, be you like... You will have had your birthday. I will be 29. Ancient beyond measure. Blah. Yeah, whatever. Shut up. He does this performance. Wait, hold on, hold on. 22nd? Uh-huh. So he makes <clears throat> it from Canada to New York. He took a train from Montreal mm-hmm. to, not New York, to Michigan. You realize how close we are, yeah? Where'd he go? He went from Montreal to Detroit and then gives his final performance okay, yeah, yeah. on October 24th. He reportedly passed out at least once during the performance. He's revived. He's still pushing through it. Like he's he finishes the performance. At this point, he's running a fever of 104. He is immediately taken to the hospital afterwards. And somehow, miraculously, he lives on for several more days. I don't know if they ended up taking the appendix out. If it had ruptured, that infection would start spreading through your body, and there's no way that you could stop it at that point, at least in the early 1900s. Even today, that that's still... Yeah, you run the risk. Yeah. He is taken to Grace Hospital, uh, where he stays for almost an entire week. And actually, it would be a week because my birthday is exactly a week before Halloween. So he's there for a week and he, like we said, dies on the afternoon of October 31st at the age of 52 in 1926. He was then moved to Hamilton Funeral Home, which uh, is no longer operational as a funeral home, but it does, the building itself does still stand. And then it was transported to New York, where the actual funeral was held on November 4th. So another coincidence? Guess what I don't have? Uh, it's like a, it's like a riddle. So he had his birthday, his death day. I mean, you haven't died yet. No exhumation date. No funeral date, so you don't have any of those. It's not date related. <coughs> it's organ related. Oh, you don't have a kidney. A big <laughs> appendix. Yes, I do not have an appendix. Born without or removed? Removed. Okay. I when I was reading this, I was like, holy crap. Like, of course I knew that he died of appendicitis, but the details, like the fact that he couldn't sleep mm-hmm. because the pain was so bad You're like, during that there. first night. I remember vividly. I remember every like every day that the appendicitis like it was very quick moving and I was small I was in like fourth or fifth grade at that point so it would have you know progressed very quickly in my body but yeah glad you were okay so I have one less organ than you (sighs) figures I don't know what that means (laughs) I was I was just trying to come up with something another fun fact the theater that they knocked down where he did his final performance, a drugstore went up in its place. And unfortunately that drugstore, I don't know what's there now. Uh, if it is still, you know, being used as something, but the drugstore eventually closed. But before it did in 2002, it was used for the opening scenes of eight mile. Oh, so Eminem okay. and Houdini were in close proximity. I like it. I like it. Many, many, many years in between. Shout out to YouTube's Scott on Tape. That's where I learned that little fun fact. Small world. 
Right? Isn't that cool? Like so random and weird. He is buried in the, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong because I know it's a Jewish cemetery, so might need your help on this. <laughs> Macpella. Macpella. He's buried in the Macpella Cemetery in Glendale, Queens in New York. And inscribed on his grave is the crest of the Society of American Magicians. He is, so he is Jewish, was Jewish, right? Yes, is. Is? I would think so. Yeah. Or um, it was. Yeah. And, right, see, that's what I, I don't know. But that has to do a lot with his burial. So where he's buried, and, and typically how Jewish people are buried, uh, there is culturally a, a, a different level of things that, Right. Iconography. Right. Right. So these, it's typically not what you see at Houdini's uh, gravesite. It's sort of a much more elaborate. Kind of like the uh, the Friends and the Quakers, right? Yes. Like they would, it's very just um, unabsum- unassuming, yes. uh, simple, reserved. Yes. And apologies if we get any of that wrong. It's not our area of expertise. But I know that having that there and... Uh, an added bust is was a bit controversial was a bit controversial so he gets buried there in in the cemetery and it's like and maybe it's just a a modern cultural thing right or i guess it's always i mean gravesites have always been important but you know we like a little bit of hero worships the wrong word visit these these historical places and these historical people make the trek pay homage yeah like like your <clears throat> like your friend kurt right i i was wondering as i was doing this research I, like if, has if he been, been to Houdini's? if he's listening let, let us know i bet i bet he has he probably i would hope so yeah that's a cool grave yeah it's cool it's the the grave itself is pretty um interesting which is not again right not not typical of that cemetery right so to, to see that and, and to see everything that went into that uh, is is kind of cool in and of itself. And how often do you get a bust of someone on a grave? Like, that's pretty cool. I don't know. I've always thought those, um, like the, you know, the memento mores with faces, not just the skulls, but with the faces. Yeah. I was in like, is that like a picture of the person? Oh. Like, like, like yeah. did the stone carver have like a... And it's just it's just basic, but some some of them have bigger noses or, or deeper eyes or larger foreheads. Well, that's actually based on. Sorry to deviate here, no, no, no. but a lot of that ties to the individual carver. Right. So I actually live in a, a grave carver's house. Yes, yes, yes. And I was so interested to see like if I could track down any of his stones. And as I was reading, I discovered that you can tell who's done these stones based on the style that they, and it can be the same face with wings, but some people made their eyes bigger. Some had a almost caricature like yeah. the, yeah, it's and some are creepier. Some are cherub like, it's just, it's very interesting. The whole, the whole concept of 
iconography in burial practices and like gravestone imagery is so interesting. There are people out there that study it, that make it their careers. And there are also books out there that you can uh, look through and learn about these different types of images that you see on the cemeteries you see we, we talked in a Salem. We about that back in our, our episodes. Right, right. But to be fair, that that's probably a simple answer that I've always wondered. And thank you for answering. That. Ah, it's okay. There we go. So yeah, so having all that at at his uh, uh, gravesite is is a little unique. And down in Queens, so it's not far away. Maybe we'll get down there and visit someday. If we ever go to New York, I'm going in like a month. Oh, very nice. Yeah, maybe I'll just go call, see it. Right, I'll go see it and see what it looks like. Yeah, New York isn't as walkable as Salem is, though. It's, so it's not. You kind of you got to make it a point yeah. to get there. Salem's very walkable. Uh huh. Like a mile. Yeah. Maybe. A mile and a half. I mean, if you're going from like Proctor's Ledge to, <laughs> yeah, I mean, from like the Proctor's Ledge to the Willows, I'd say is probably like two miles. Yeah, but like Witch House to Seven Gables is probably a mile. Yeah, yeah, a beautiful mile too. Yeah. So he he dies on October 31st. He is buried. Uh, over two thousand people show up to his funeral to pay tribute, and it is after his death. That his wife, Bess, she decides to hold up her end of a bargain that they had made when they were married. That if either of them died, especially him, he would try to make some type of contact. So this is, of course, getting back to that spiritualism idea. He's like, the only way at the end of the day to 100% show evidence that this is or is not possible because you know you can come back with all sorts of oh I this person and and talk about them in their lives but there's a surefire way to make sure that that person on their side is the person who it claims to be and not some idea that is uh, made up by that uh performer so they had agreed on a code word. Yes. Rosabelle Believe. I think it was tied to one of their favorite songs. And for the next, for the following 10 years after his death, his wife would gather to do a seance every October 31st and try to make contact, hoping that that code word, those code words would come through. hmm Never did. Never came. So if he had died, sorry, he died. If the veil, the, the, the Summerlands, whatever they were calling it, it was thin, it was October 31st, the, the, the timing, the everything, that's all, that medium on the other side, they can talk about Houdini's home and his parents and his love and his performance and how much he cares. and his, Like they could, you know, all, all sorts of cold reads and, and everything else, unless they say that one specific phrase that's it doesn't matter it's not legitimate i can't help but wonder what she felt like every october preparing and just hoping like the the sense of hope that you would have like please just but it's what so many people felt back then yeah she will later say quote 10 years is long enough to wait for any man. Hey, kudos to that. Uh Uh-huh. She threw in the towel, 
after 10 years. I had read that she blew out a candle that had been burning since his death next to his picture. That sounds more legend than was it was it a black flame candle too? <laughs> nice. Ten years, right? I was like, how how do you even make that happen? You, you, I mean, unless it's like the same, it could be the same flame. Okay. Oh, that makes that makes more sense. It, it could be this very possibly be the same flame, but also leaving a lit candle in your house in the for late, ten years. Said, right now, I wouldn't do it. You know, like oh, I'm going to the store. I'm going away. Let me just. No, you put that shit out. Yeah. But this tradition of summoning him or attempting to summon him contact has continued for the last century. Yes. Almost. Almost a century. Almost a century. Actually, we're coming up on the century. Yes. So cool fun fact, he dies in 1926. So if any of uh, you are uh, up on your Salem history, the uh, anniversary date of Salem is 1626. So he dies on the 300th anniversary of Salem, and the 100th anniversary of his death will also coincide with the 400th anniversary of the city of Salem. I get that all out right? All the coincidences in this episode. (laughs) It's crazy. We can't make this stuff up. Now, as we said earlier, his story and his connection to Salem doesn't just end after he does his famous uh, police station escape. But in the early 1990s, a seance will be held. And of course, as we said, these seances continue. This tradition continues, not just here, but all around the world. Mm -hmm. Different magicians, organizations. The Hawthorne Hotel hosts one in their grand ballroom on October 30th, 1990. And the following year, they will host their very first Halloween ball, which we all know very well today. Um, it's one of the hottest parties in town, and um, I've never been. I have never been either. The it's fact always that just a busy weekend, I, you can't. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. I've gone to the waterfront uh, okay. party, okay, but this one is like supposedly the, the witch's ball the creme de la creme yeah and i believe they they kick it off with a seance or at some point they do okay. a seance i didn't know that i uh-huh. didn't know that don't quote me but i'm I pretty won't sure quote you. i'll write in the salem news <laughs> put it next to naked houdini <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see naked houdini come see sarah at the witch's ball that's just a very confusing <laughs> statement <laughs> But so so that as as legend has it, I mean, I guess it it seems to be pretty solid that 1990 they have the seance, 1991 first ball. So uh, whether or not it's a direct inspiration or kickoff for or or whatever else, um, there you go. I just had this visual of Houdini in the afterlife getting all these calls because everyone's trying to summon him, and, he and he's just- like. They just won't stop. Yeah, knock it off. Leave me alone. I don't blame him. Straight to voicemail. <laughs> Ghost in them. He ghosted us. <laughs> oh. oh, that was that was good. That was good. That was good. It's a little very wow. He ghosted. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Cringy. I love it. So to wrap up, throw some of those crazy misconceptions you've heard because I'm curious. Oh. 
Um, I heard I have heard that he had uh, a some sort of a beef with the with the police with the chief of police, some sort of criminal behavior, and they arrested him and locked him up. Um, I have heard that he freed, I guess that the, the jailhouse was full of prisoners and, and he freed all of he them, freed them all. <laughs> and let, he's just like out the back door, like a bunch of cats. Like go, go <laughs> run free and wild. I have heard that he's, he was spotted running naked down the street. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I've heard both the prisoner was naked and he was naked uh-huh. as well. <laughs> Um, I've heard that, that he got into a fight with one of the police officers. So we're now combining his death story, uh, ah. with, with, the, with the, the, the Salem story. I've also heard, and this might be one of the most outrageous that he had, he had a fake tooth and he kept a, a hidden lock. <laughs> I can't, I'm sorry if you've ever inside been his this. jaw. In, in his tooth, right? so yeah. he could like pull the tooth out and like unfold a small, a small mechanical lockpick. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like there's so many better places to put that. I swear, right? And so then he's you know, so he's all locked up. And he reaches in his mouth and takes it out, and you know then he picks the lock and hides the, the secret tooth back in his face, and that's how he got out of of all the stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Um, all sorts of wild, wild stories. It's, it's, it's one of those ones that I feel like it, it's, it's a case of telephone where you just hear more and more embellished, outrageous versions of the story. But so if I, anything, it's entertaining. So I was with a friend of mine a couple months ago and, uh, she's also a magician, a big fan of Houdini. And we were walking past one of these tours and being slightly mean, I, I was like, just hold up a second. And so we just sort of stood there and listened to them. And like I could watch her just like like stages of of you know, like in a cartoon where the cartoon's head just like gets more red and red and red uh-huh. and red and then the steam's like blowing out of their ears. Uh-huh. It was like a visual representation of that. <laughs> I could just watch her getting frustrated with oh, no. the bullshit that these people were getting told. And I almost had to like drag her away from like going out. It's like <laughs> highly entertaining for me. But that's that's the kind well, yeah, of friend if, I am. If you pop on the internet and read like one article, or just want to say take a tour, but and and that's all you have. Yeah, that's the only exposure. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see someone believing it and then perpetuating it. And and then you can get all sorts of cross contamination with I I don't know that Harry Houdini didn't actually escape from the building that he escaped in this drive. That he escaped in the smuggling tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a tunnel under that one. I Obviously. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. That's how he got in and out was the smuggling tunnel. And the guy who he broke out of the jail cell wasn't actually a, a prisoner. He was he was an opium smuggler. The and, amount of people in my daily life now <laughs> that make jokes about the tunnels <laughs> is getting absurd. Uh, it's really funny. It's just too easy. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah. So I think does that wrap us up for that, the uh, the the episode? Yes, the the Harry Houdini in Salem episode. Uh, so he is a he is a fascinating character. His life is is crazy. Uh, highly recommend going in and reading if you're curious about him and his life and his performances and and the spiritualism. It makes for a a, a lot of good uh, interesting historical reads because he's one of these people that we all sort of he's a common household name right that's why we only that's why we didn't do a huge deep dive into his life because it's not even we're focusing on salem strictly so yeah yeah, give him give you a little bit of 
prelude and post. Yeah. But we didn't want to, you know, flood you with Houdini information. Yeah. But, you know, champion this, stick to this story of uh, him being in Salem first and foremost. Yeah. Running naked through the streets. Right. Exactly. Or at least naked in the jail cell. I, I, I don't know. We'll never have the answer. I think they, they did that to drum up sales. Uh, maybe. For the paper. It, maybe. They drummed it. Maybe they, everyone going to the show thought they <gasps> might get to see it. See? Okay. See that? Yeah. He's like, oh, he's going to be naked. <gasps> naked magician. Oh, we know a guy. We do know a guy. We do know a guy. <laughs> but I don't think uh, he would appreciate us sharing who he is. I, I don't. On I, here. Yeah. yeah we, we do should. know a guy. We do know a, a naked magician. A naked magician. Yeah. Not always naked. No, thank goodness. Nothing against him. Just, just don't always run around naked, right? Yeah. Like, with that being said, hope you had a wonderful October and spooky season. Happy Halloween. And hopefully, we'll be able to continue that spookiness uh, from Salem for, I'd say, another couple weeks or so. We've got some uh, fun stuff in the works. Oh yes, yes. So join us every week on Tuesday. Other than that. Thanks for listening. See you later.